Oh yeah, the truth will set you free First it'll freak you out Lately I've been finding it in words Long written down What we need now is all those who will come alive Who know the whole world will change in the blink of an eye I think it's time we open up our eyes and our hearts Let a light shine so bright This is Sally L. Cordy, and welcome to Vaccine Free America. I have a guest this evening by the name of Sherry Saunders, who has been a guest previously on this program, and she has brought two guests with her. Um, one of them is Jamie Cosenza, who is going to break some important news, and I'm eager to hear this. And then uh, we have okay. another, Sherry has another guest, uh, which is um, Jasmine. Uh, Jasmine Mack, who is the parent of a child whose story she's going to impart. So thank you very much, and welcome, Sherry Saunders, to Vaccine-Free America. Uh, thank you, uh, Sally. I hope that you can hear well. Well, um, uh, can you hear me? Well, I can hear you now. 
All right. What about that? Okay. All right, Sherry. So um, would you like to open now and tell us about the first guest that you have on the program this evening, if you would? Uh, my first guest, uh, I hope we have Jamie Cosenza on the line. Is Jamie on the line? Yes, I believe she is. All right. Um, what we were going to talk about uh, this evening, um, there's two things that I would like to discuss uh, briefly because Jamie only has a few minutes. Uh, we would like to uh, break uh, some information that we have discovered over the last 48 hours when it comes to COVID uh, insofar as COVID-20 and what COVID-20 could mean for people. Uh, Jamie, are you on the line? All right, um, Jamie. All right, Jamie, can you unmute your? Um, uh, she said her mic is not muted. Okay. So what we wanted to talk about, folks, and I apologize that we're having technical difficulty with this. Uh, I took a look at hemorrhagic fevers. And when I was taking a look at hemorrhagic fevers, it was only because I had received a phone call from Sterling Hill. Sterling Hill uh, is the head and uh, the creator of the MTHFR uh, Foundation. That is a, um, a part of the body that has to deal with handling things like vaccinations when you have to uh, detox from a vaccine. If you have this MTHFR on your genetic code, it would be impossible for you to uh, detox, for example. So from her scientist uh, friends and some of which like Judy Mikovich, I believe you've heard of Judy before. Uh, we, we were told this week that in Denmark, for example, there was a few cases of a hemorrhagic death where the the people sick with what could be described as COVID were hemorrhaging and bleeding out after three days. Then we had a, uh, a report out of New Orleans, uh, someone that we know off of Facebook, and she's 42, or I, I'm sorry, she was 42, uh, and had a couple of children. And she started uh, with a coughing, and uh, started hemorrhaging in her shower. The husband got her to the hospital, but she died in the emergency room, and that was three days ago. We haven't got the autopsy yet back on her. But it was because of these reasons that I looked at hemorrhagic fevers in COVID and Operation Dark Winter. If people don't know what Operation Dark Winter is, it was a military um, and government and big pharmaceutical project that went down in um, mid-summer of 2001. It happened before 9-11. And Operation Dark Winter was just a training exercise. If, for example, smallpox was to break out in the, the state that they used was Oklahoma for the exercise. If smallpox was to break out in Oklahoma, how would the federal government deal with the situation? All right. Under this Operation Dark Winter, I took a look at several uh, of the congressional hearings that had to, that were directly related to Operation Dark Winter. 
And we were able to discover that inside some of these uh, COVID uh, research that was going on, and I have a couple links so I can get that to you, Sally. Uh, they had Im immersed this thing called Marburg. Marburg is a hemorrhagic fever known uh, to cause death. Uh, in high cases, six out of 10, in fact, can be expected to die from a Marburg hemorrhagic fever. Now, with a hemorrhagic fever, it can be treated with uh, uh, high doses of selenium uh, to try to uh, uh, keep the body from going into that cytokine storm that would then lead to the bleeding out because there's stages of a hemorrhagic fever. But what we know is this, the federal government and in their research, they had inserted Marburg, which is a cousin to Ebola and a cousin to COVID. That is in their own research, and that was their word, cousin. I did not come up with that. That was their own term. So they called Marburg a cousin to both Ebola and to COVID in their federal research. And so what I want people to understand uh, is right now, if this sounds extremely frightening, and it is very troubling that we are now having reports of people hemorrhaging. Understand that Marburg, uh, according to the military um, paperwork that I've looked at, Marburg uh, can be treated uh, with, uh, like, for example, selenium. But for COVID patients, high-dose selenium, which would help you with Marburg hemorrhagic fever, can cause further problems with the breathing. So this is this is a catch-22. Uh, right now, the best advice I can give anyone that's listening to this show is I want you to look up the word Marburg, M-A-R-B-U-R-G. It's a hemorrhagic fever so that you can learn more about it. And one of the things that you're going to learn is this. The best way to live through the sickness of a hemorrhagic fever is to have a low immune system meaning that your immune system is already knocked down so that it's not high functioning. One of the safest ways to knock your immune system down is uh, taking melatonin. And the second easiest thing I'm going to give you to do is Brazilian nuts, which is high in selenium. If you can get your hands on some Br Brazilian nuts, that will help support your body while it is getting through the sickness uh, it's very common uh, places in Africa and Europe, uh, even in Asia, this hemorrhagic fever has broke out. You can treat it if you know how to support the body through it. So once again, folks, um, I apologize that I could not get Jamie on that she could start dropping the legal documents uh, in the names of what you need to look at for your own research. We're going to supply that to Sally so she can put this in. The, uh, the body of this show uh, to help you look at uh, look this up for yourself. But once again, the most important thing I can tell you is you want to have selenium on hand. Uh, high dose selenium can help treat a hemorrhagic fever like Marburg. And the second thing uh, I need for your immune system to be lowered one of the ways you can lower your own immune system safely is by taking melatonin. Uh, melatonin, in fact, is also helpful for COVID. Uh, so, folks, 
as soon as I get more information on how to safely lower your immune system. And the reason why I'm saying this is when your immune system is healthy, when it's good functioning and it's, it's firing on all cylinders, when you have a hemorrhagic fever, that immune system will trigger the immune uh, function to, uh, to, to come out all at one time. Your T cells, your microphages, everything that you have in your arsenal, in your immune system, it will be triggered at one time. And your body will not be able to sustain itself through a multiple attack of your immune system on this uh, bacteria, this, this parasite. But Marburg is a virus insofar as it is a fever that can uh, be passed. It is highly infectious. Uh, any contact with bodily fluids, blood, urine, feces, saliva... Uh, even in tears, uh, it can pass. A hemorrhagic fever can pass. So this new COVID-20, as it's been uh, spoken about and called, this could have some reason as to why the state or the country of Denmark has just culled this week their entire population of mink. Mink, it was found that covid uh, positive mink were not developing antibodies against the COVID and the uh, country of Denmark decided that it was in their best interest to call the entire population uh, before this COVID had a chance to mutate through the mink back into the human population. Um, I'm not certain, folks, if that has anything to do with this. Uh, but what I am uh, letting you know is if you can safely take a supplement like melatonin, and there are others like Brazilian nuts or selenium, that you can use to lower your immune system while you're sick, uh, it can help keep your body from dropping uh, a lot of blood after it has gone through its cytokine storm. It comes in stages, once again. If you can just support your body through the most important stages you can get past this. So I don't want you to fear. I want you to educate uh, on what you need to do. And what I have just discussed is what steps I feel is safest for those uh, that are listening to this show and um, may have questions. Uh, please certainly reach out to me at any moment. Uh, uh, I can provide my phone number uh, for this. Uh, because I feel like this is one of those situations that um, my privacy is not as important as getting the information out. Uh, and we will give those links to the government legislation and, and the, the length of the uh, Senate hearings that I read that we have uh, used to provide you this information. So once again, we believe that the hemorrhagic aspect that's taking place with the current COVID patients that are being treated, and I have been told this is being referred to as COVID-20. Once again, the connection is Marburg, a hemorrhagic fever that was included inside research for COVID. So I believe we have found what the, the, the fever it is that they are uh, speaking about. 
Uh, and so, folks, I apologize that I was unable to get Jamie on the show so that she could give you the the uh, name of the legislation, which is done NABAR legislation and uh, threat assessment program. The threat assessment program, this is all programs that the federal government had going back, starting with uh, Kennedy back in the 60s. So Jamie had all of that information that she could describe to you, something that started under Kennedy in the 60s and how it deals with the legislation and the decisions that are being made, for example, Operation Dark Winter. So, Sally, that was what I was wanting to discuss uh, in, in the beginning. Are y'all there? Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's that's about a, as quick as I can uh, uh, I can explain that. Show. I wish we could have had Jamie. Jamie, what was the name of that legislation again? The the nun bar, the dun, the nun uh, legislation. What was the full name of that? Okay. Well, was the threat assessment? Yes. Yeah, the Department of Defense. What was that called again? Can you put it on speaker and close enough? Are you talking about uh, the, the threat assessment? Was that the name of it? The safety management plan. I apologize, folks. That's what it was called. Safety management plan that started under Kennedy, and then that mutated into the threat assessment program that they were talking about during Operation Dark Winter. So that that was all that I really wanted to uh, to to say because I don't have much more information than that, Sally. Except the best way to treat a hemorrhagic fever once again is to support the body through the sickness, and in your best friend is a low immune system, meaning that you do not you're not firing on all cylinders. Uh, you need to knock down your immune system if you're healthy. You don't want to be healthy going into a hemorrhagic fever. That that will work against you. You want to um, have a an immune system that has been lowered, and you can do that through supplements. Uh, a worming, for example, if you uh, just wanted to worm yourself uh, for a week or two while uh, you felt like you had been exposed to something, um, you could do that, and that would lower your immune system enough that it would help support you through this, and you, sh you should never get to the point of uh, bleeding out. You can avoid that if uh, you're smart and, and if you have the right information. Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. 
The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24 7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The Republic Broadcasting Network, late night, premiere show, a Redfield Hardcore is hosted by activists that want to hear from you, the listeners, so that you can get involved in the activism, please call in at 800-313-9443 at 10 p.m. to enter the discussion. To book yourself as a guest, call our studio at 202-657-5715 or contact RBN staff. Remember, keep it real and take the red pill. Hi there, everybody. That was Sherry Saunders, and she had some very interesting advice um, in regard to hemorrhagic fevers. Certainly, uh, this is news to me. Um, And I I would like to ask Sherry if she will give a a way that people could contact her um, in in regard to this. Very, very uh, newsworthy. Yes. uh, My phone number... um... I believe at, at this point, uh, if people want to reach out to me, my phone number is 256-636-1985-AMERICA. That will get you straight to me. 
Um, I have an email, and that email is the search for justice at gmail.com. Uh, once again, the search for that will be the letter for justice at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to me at that email address, or if you truly have questions and want information, the fastest way I can get to you is a text message. If you could text me at 256-636-1985, uh, please text after 10 p.m. at night. Uh, and I would prefer you text me first uh, since I work two jobs and I have to keep my phone on mute uh, uh, or the ringer off most of the time while I'm working. So I, I feel this strongly about this, that, uh, I will provide once again, my, my only cell phone, uh, if people have questions. And once again, the safest supplement that you can take is melatonin. And that is, uh, an immune suppressant. And so once again, folks, the best way to treat a hemorrhagic fever besides supporting the body through the sickness itself is a suppressed immune system. A suppressed immune system will assist you in getting through a hemorrhagic fever. Okay. Well, the, the next issue that is uh, Sherry Saunders is bringing to our attention is the issue of experimentation on children. And, this is very serious. I heard uh, her interview about this, and I thought, well, more people have to learn about this. So I asked you to come on the program. And uh, thank you very much, uh, you and your guest, who is Jasmine Mack. And um, you can give her contact information uh, when you see that's appropriate in this interview. Um, and Sherry Saunders, would you like to introduce your guest absolutely sally folks jasmine mack is the mother of naraya mack naraya was born with trisomy 9 that is a genetic disorder that is so rare that there has been only a hundred people known to have ever had it uh in this country jasmine's daughter naraya uh, was unique because there are not many like her and uh, Jasmine uh, lived down in Florida with uh, Naraya and, and Naraya's brothers uh, for for about nine years uh, for Naraya. Um, well, she was nine years old when this story really takes off. And it started when Jasmine moved from Florida, where she had been raising Naraya uh, around doctors who, although yearly would ask for permission to uh, place Naraya into research uh, studies and programs, each time Jasmine would uh, tell them no, that her daughter was uh, not meant for research. And Jasmine took an opportunity to move to Atlanta. Uh, her sister, who had just recently took a job at the CDC, who had uh, retired from the Navy in the medical field from the Navy. Uh, her sister took a job at the CDC and uh, asked uh, Jasmine to move to Atlanta. Jasmine, uh, upon moving to Atlanta, um, was attempting to set up 
through a pediatrician there, uh, the medical records, uh, the, you know, the transfer of medical records that would take place for a patient uh, from the doctors in Florida to this new pediatrician in Atlanta. And what took place at that appointment was the, the doctor, the pediatrician, instead of setting up a, uh, an appointment, you know, where you would just get, uh, get to know someone and, and, and introduce yourself uh, to your new patient. Instead of, instead of it being like that, uh, the doctor placed Naraya into Atlanta Children's Hospital, uh, admitted her into the hospital. Uh, the next thing that happened is Jasmine was told that Naraya was now under the control of the Department of Children and Family Services there in Georgia and that she was not going to be allowed any longer to make uh, decisions for her daughter. Jasmine was given uh, a piece of paper in her hand that told her what time she was supposed to be at court. And uh, that that was it. That's how they took her daughter. Um at a doctor's appointment, they placed her into the hospital, admitted her for, for test. Uh, and then they told Jasmine that Naraya was going to stay and that Jasmine was free to go. So, folks, I want to introduce you to the mother, uh, Jasmine Mack, the mother of Naraya Mack, a child born with trisomy 9, an extremely rare genetic disorder that Jasmine can tell you more about. And I, I appreciate Jasmine being on the show and, and sharing her story once again uh, of Naraya and how the medical field and big pharmaceutical uh, took an opportunity to literally rip her child apart through multiple surgeries, all of which Jasmine had no opportunity to, to condone or turned down because they, she never signed a document stating that it was okay to take her child. So there was never a document signed saying it was okay to perform these surgeries that were done upon her un until uh, she died in custody in Georgia at Atlanta Children's Hospital. Jasmine, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Hello. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Jasmine, um, can you introduce us, uh, any, and everyone that is listening, can you introduce us to Naraya and, and tell us about your special, special little baby girl who I met and played ball with? <laughs> she had a pretty good right arm, as best as I can remember. Um, your, your little girl in, in, that that passed away tell us more about her oh gosh the sweetest little girl in the whole wide world um i basically didn't know that i would um have a daughter with a disability i went through a normal pregnancy i was a little small but you know overall i was not sick i didn't show any signs on the ultrasound so I went into labor thinking that, you know, everything would be fine, normal. I'm in and out hospital. I got a, my baby girl. Well, um, that didn't quite happen that way. <laughs> and um, I had to kind of come to terms with I have a, a, a disabled little girl. Um, it took me a while to kind of uh, accept it because I've always tried to, 
treat her as she was normal. I didn't see any, you know, anything wrong. I saw Naraya. Um, I was her full-time caregiver for nine, uh, nine years. Um, she never was admitted into a hospital and I wasn't, you know, sleeping next to her or even in the lobby. I was wherever I could sleep to be close to her. I was with her. So she never went through anything alone. Um, the trisomy nine, I found out after being um, sent home from the NICU, uh, which we were um, in Sacred Heart for the first three months of her life. Um, I started, at this time, we didn't know that it was a trisomy. We thought that she was just, you know, having trouble feeding. Um, she didn't, um, she had a PDA, um, heart murmur, and so we did the heart surgery and you know, so we're getting home. I'm thinking we've all, we patched everything up, everything's fine, only to get home and be called in to her pediatrician to explain to me her diagnosis. And um, he was very honest, and he just, you know, told me that he thought that it would be better if I looked for another pediatrician because what my daughter um, was born with, he didn't have much knowledge of. Um, he explained it to me as being a trisomy 9 um, is where her ninth chromosome was duplicated. Um, so instead of her having two, she has three. 20% um, of her cells were affected. Um, the full trisomy kids, um, which Naraya was mosaic, that means that only a, um, a partial of her cells were affected. Um, babies that have the, have the full trisomy 9, they're, um, um, what is um, miscarried, I'm sorry. Um, they are the most, most of them, the majority of them are miscarried. Um, the kids that is most vague, they do have a better chance in survival in life. Um, but they have a low survival rate. Um, and this is what I went home from the doctor under having this understanding. He told me to go on the internet and read about it. He didn't know anything about it and that, uh, you know, it was all he knew is that she would have a low survival life expectancy. So, um, over the course I had learned along the way, um, I, she had genetic counselors, um, she had a heart doctor. She had a, a neurologist. Uh, so she had different specialists that was following her. Um, we had our obstacles, but in the end, she was going to school. She was thriving. She did not have a, a vocal. She did not uh, speak or have. Um, did, she didn't walk, so she was wheelchair. Um, she was very small because she had a failure to thrive. And, um, and she was very small. I was still being able to carry her in a baby seat at the age of seven. Um, she was very small, but she was, was a joy. Always had a smile on her face. You wouldn't, if she was in pain, you wouldn't be able to tell it. Um, and so after the loss of my mom in 2014, 
I decided to move me and my three kids to Atlanta to be closer to my sister. Um, I didn't realize that this would be the biggest mistake I have could ever make in life. Um, being that having a disabled child, it's a lot that comes with that move. And I didn't realize that these people would not look at her and know her as her doctors that helped raise her with me. And so I really didn't take that into consideration prior to moving there. Um, but I just thought it was a good idea being that I wanted to be closer to my sister. Um, we got there. I enrolled all my kids into school. Uh, Naraya has an older brother. Uh, he's 16, so she's the middle. And then she has a baby brother, Ja'Cory. And um, we were able to get them enrolled in school. I started working. Um, and as I was waiting on her insurance and all of these things to transfer from um, Florida to to Georgia, I was bringing her back and forth to our hometown. So at this point, Naraya was not on any medication. Um, prior to moving uh, from Florida, her heart doctor had taken her off of her heart medication, told me her heart had repaired itself, and put us on a once-a-year follow-up. Um, overall, Florida... They had her and had us at a at a pace of, if it doesn't bother her, we don't bother it. This is Naraya. This is how Naraya's going to be. With um, the trisomy 9, it comes with um, uh, brittle bones. Um, she had fluid on her brain, so she had a VP shot put in. Um, she had a feeding tube. Um, she was a poor feeder. Um, and it's um, like a nutritionist. So we we were set up. We had a system. Um, once Georgia, once we got everything set up, the doctors were, um, I was able to get it, my insurance, you know, switched over. Um, I got the first appointment, which was with her pediatrician, um, her pediatrician sent out the referrals to her specialist there. Um, so the first appointment that we got to was a GI doctor. And um, we went in to see her. And this is the first visit, um, you know, patient, um, you know, uh, me. We, she come in the room and Amanda Wright is in there. Mind you, uh, we moved to Georgia, not on any medication, Um Every surgery that she had was more of a repair, um, so it wasn't anything that it was. It was more so we get to a problem with her health, we deal with that problem, then we can move on, and then maybe something. You know, that's how I can kind of explain it. Um, but at this time, she was fourth grade. Um, she had started eating better by mouth. Um, she was a joy. Um, the doctor came in and to do her physical. Uh, she really didn't have much conversation for us, but uh, she looked down at Naraya's uh, medical chart, and she, I kind of, you know, caught on to, you know, how she was looking down at it. And I 
um, thought that to myself that, it, you know, to find out if she had any knowledge of this trisomy 9, um, being that I know how uh, rare it was. So I asked her, you know, if she had ever heard of trisomy 9. And so she kind of, you know, chuckled and she said, no, she said, I don't think any of us have. Um, at this doctor's appointment, she wanted, she advised us that she wanted to admit us into the hospital. Mind you, Naraya is not on any medications. Naraya um, was not sick at this doctor's appointment. She expressed to us that because Naraya had a lot of different specialists, um, it would be a good idea for us to get admitted. That way we would see all the doctors at once, being that I'm new um, to Georgia. It would just save me this hassle. And once they get us set up in the system, we are we'll be discharged. They didn't have any room that day in the hospital, so she told me to go home and she would call me the next morning, which she did. Um, we went up and we got admitted into the hospital. Um, this is how I got tricked into this system. Um, once we went in, we got admitted. They allowed me to stay there with her for three days. The third day, I was... Um, I was approached by two security guards and a woman that was from DFAX, which is Child Protective Services. And she expressed to me that, Ms. Mack, you have to go. Naraya has to stay. As confused as I was, I asked again, I'm like, what do you mean I have to go? She has to stay. And she repeated it. And I told her, um, I've, she, Naraya's never been in the hospital without me there. Naraya's never went through a surgery that when she woke up, I wasn't there. You know, she's never been, you know, in no situation alone and that I was not leaving. Uh, by this time, I was picked up off the ground. I had a security guard on each side of me. Um, they picked me up and commenced to dragging me from the fourth floor of this hospital to the carport. Once we got to the carport, I was more so a push towards my vehicle as another security guard hands me a paper telling me I have to go to court for a child neglect. Um, this was the worst day of my life. I, I'm, I felt I'm the pain sure of losing my mother. I, I felt the pain of just the, the new pain of losing my mother, but it just, it wasn't the same pain. And to know that my daughter is here and I'm here and I'm who loves her. I'm, I've had her all, she's all I know. I'm all she know. Um, that if you looked at her, she couldn't speak, but if you spoke to her, she would look at me to to speak for her. Right. Um, we had a very tight bond, you know. I could understand her without, she, would, she could read my facial expressions and, and read me like a book. Um, and so that's how our relationship was. And so it just felt that I, I felt that she would give up because she didn't see me, you know, yes. I was, uh, I was, um, kept out of this hospital. They had a trespass against me. Um, within 48 hours of them taking your child, you, you have a court date. Um, at this court date, the state is supposed to present this case of neglect or abuse or whatever they're claiming that you've done. Um, and at that point, if it's not a 
uh, intentional neglect, intentional abuse, your child is due to get, go home with you right then and their case closed. It was against the law what they did because the state asked for a continuance. They didn't have a case. And this continuance was granted. So this left me trespassed out of the hospital for two, uh, two whole weeks. My court date was in the next two weeks. Here is my baby in custody away from me, and then I'm trespassed out of this hospital. I can't be with my baby for these two weeks. I didn't know where she was. Oh, my God. Um, I ended up getting a call from one of the nurses, which... The days that I was up there with her, those three days, I had, you know, started becoming accustomed to a nurse that would come in and check on Naraya. And me and her would kind of conversate on the Bible and, you know, like I would, my dad is a pastor and, you know, so I would tell her, you know, I was like more so witnessing to her. And she just kept coming in the room one day. She's like, I can't even work. I'm you, you know, you just know so much about the Bible. She said, Can I give? Can I get your number? So when I get home, I want my husband to hear you. And I gave this lady my number, not realizing that she would be used later to call me to tell me where my baby was. Uh, this nurse called me at the end of these two weeks, and she expressed to me of the trouble she would get into by calling me. But as a mom, she knew that I would want to know where my baby was. She said, and your baby is my patient today. And I just, I, that was that's something that I would never forget. And I would never forget her for doing that. Yes. I was able to know that she was safe. She wasn't in someone else's home being mistreated she couldn't talk to tell it if she was i was a wreck oh. over these two weeks that i was not able to see her she had they had did a, a surgery oh. i was called at the end of this two weeks telling me that they wanted me to come to the hospital that my daughter had just had surgery, tonsils. Um, they had removed her tonsils and adenoids, and she was having trouble breathing. I rushed to the hospital, and all the doctors are running in. Everyone wants to know about Naraya. They want to know what kind of machines she had at home, what kind of um, surgery she's had in the past. No one knew nothing about her, but she had just came out of this surgery. So I started to express to the doctor that she didn't have any machines at home. Nebulizer treatment when she had a cold, um, a feeding pump, so she had a G2, but nothing. She didn't have oxygen. She's never seen a pulmonologist. Um, she didn't never have any, you know, have any problems with her lungs, the needles, uh, a pulmonologist. Um, and he expressed to me that, well, she may have to go home on oxygen. So this is where the cover-up starts. This first surgery, mind you, I'm still not in court in front of the judge. The judge, this is a temporary order. Um, my case was not heard until six months after they removed her from me. Um, at this point, um, the mistakes in the first surgery had been made. They removed her tonsils adenoids, and in this um, in this moment 
other things started felt falling, you know, as such as her lung, uh, her left lung collapsed and, and fell. Um, so um, as time went on, the state now has no cases against me. They're buying time. And the whole time they're buying time, they're uh, patching her up in resurgery and this kind of procedure and that, and they're holding me at bay. I went through all the training. They had me going through psychological testing, drug testing. Um, I had to do um, all the training that even the feeding tube training. These were things that I've done for nine years of her life. Um, but they were given to me as a um, distraction, keeping me, you know, away from my daughter. She was put into a foster home, um, and as time went on, she started to deteriorate. Of course. Um, these people knew that she was a rare child. The doctor that did her first surgery was also um, a guy that put in for a research grant the same month that they had me had kicked me out. That doctor's so, name uh, was Dr. Stephen Gowdy. Uh, for those that are listening, once again, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, who uh, the month, <clears throat> July of uh, 2016, uh, am I correct, Jasmine? Yes. July of 2016, she was taking into custody at the hospital, Dr. Stephen Gowdy uh, applied for research grants that same month and received them uh, several hundred thousand dollars uh, up to a couple of million dollars. There was multiple grants given to him. And at that point, uh, the research started uh, to take place uh, on Nariah. It wasn't until uh, March 5th of 2020, this year, uh, when the state of Georgia, through the governor's office, that Jasmine was able to get a death certificate in Naraya's name, Sally. For uh, the three years, we had uh, attempted to find an attorney that would take this case for the, the malpractice, the, the wrongful uh, uh, theft of this child. And uh, that's we'll be right back with Sherry Saunders and uh, Naraya's mother. Hey gang, Patrick Slattery here with an important message that is pertinent to anyone who shops for groceries eats food, or just has an inquisitive mind like myself. What I'm about to introduce you to is a segment of our food culture that has been kept so low profile to the American public that virtually no one is aware of how dominant it is on our refrigerator and cupboard shelves. What I'm talking about is the kosher certification industry and a new app, Koshertified, that delivers a comprehensive education on all aspects regarding this little known practice. After reviewing this app, I found that it is useful for practically anyone who purchases food, regardless of their religious faith or identity. 
its database of products not kosher certified, is a win-win convenience for all food-conscious people. So why not check out thekosherquestion.com or click on the link at nationalbugle.com and see how modifying your grocery shopping with the Co-Certified app can make a huge difference for your future. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. Extend your life with Extendivite. After about a month of Extendivite, I don't know what it is about uh, the circulation factor. I was able to increase the weight, increase the amount of sets I could do. It has to do with the oxygen getting to the blood. You should market this uh, as an athletic performance. And I don't change anything about my diet or anything. I just thought, this is amazing. Bilberry extract has got something called resveratrol in it, which is the same stuff that you get from red wine. It's also good for eyesight. And I was reading that the uh, Royal Air Force during World War II would give their pilots bilberry jam so they could have better night vision stuff. This is amazing. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. I think it's time we open up our eyes and our hearts. Welcome back. I would like everyone to write something down, please. Uh, this is... Uh, write it down. A voice, the number four, ny at gmail.com. Is that the correct email address? A voice, the number four, ny at gmail.com. Is that the correct? Yes, uh, that is correct. Email? A voice for nine at gmail.com. Folks, that if, uh, if what we need is an independent autopsy on the uh, on Naraya. The lawyers that we have attempted uh, to get in on this case, they drop us after a few months. Uh, we need an independent autopsy uh, in order to have an attorney. Uh, want to move forth on this case and what we want to prove in that independent autopsy is how many organs were missing from Naraya. Uh, everything that uh, we hope to prove through the research on the papers that Dr. Stephen Gowdy and his team put out, we're hoping to link the research 
from those papers to what's left of Nariah and what was buried back in 2017. Once again, they would not, they refused, the state of Georgia refused to issue a death certificate in Nariah's case uh, until March 5th of 2020 of this year. The governor of Georgia, in fact, had to be uh, contacted in order to make this happen. So, folks, we, we need support. Uh, if you feel it in your heart to give, you can go to the PayPal of a voice for night at gmail.com and uh, please give. We need this independent autopsy so that we can move forth in uh, suing uh, on behalf of Naraya uh, and, and for Jasmine uh, moving forward so that this is critical that we can raise the funds to pay for the, uh, to exhume the body first and then have a second independent autopsy done on her death. And uh, Jasmine, uh, please uh, uh, finish, you know, finish out. Folks, I, I appreciate you taking a moment to listen to this story. It is so important that we protect our children. And Jasmine uh, can finish uh, on what she would like to say. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Sherry Saunders. Yes, proceed, please. I, I feel like it's very important to add to this, um, to this story that, I never lost my rights as a mother. Um, I have two other kids that they never questioned me about or removed from me. Um, I do know that um, with that rare condition that she was born with, she had um, um, research was done. Um, I was offered a big lump sum uh, for my silence um, after they realized that I knew what was going on. Um, I was offered this big money. I, I couldn't, rem I couldn't take it. I was not going to leave my daughter there. I was not going to remain silent on this. Um, and I also witnessed other kids there on this floor that they kept them on, um, in the research lab and they were all state custody. Um, they were all being held behind this glass, um, in this research lab and they had no one to speak for them. The whole six months that we basically lived in this hospital, we saw no other parents there on this floor. I was the only parent. Um, they couldn't buy my silence. I lost the judge, dismissed herself from this case. Um, the Narayas, guardian of Lynham, dismissed herself. My public defender dismissed herself. Um, pretty much everyone tried to move away from this case once they knew I knew what they were doing. Um, this is a a big circle of they uh, uh, um, conspire uh, where the family law um, judge um, is the research doctors um, is the social workers child protectives. Um, when this when I tell this story, Miss um, Senator Nancy Schaefer come to mind. She is my hero. Um, I feel like a lot of what happened um, can kind of correlate what she spoke on. Um, this is this is what's going on, and and these kids are in the system, and and no one is counting and keeping up with these kids. Um, and so I just feel like you know I lost my daughter in this process of fighting to get her out of this hospital, but. It was other kids there with her that had no one to speak for them. And so I feel like 
I need to bring awareness to what we call medical kidnap. Um, it is in the same bracket of human trafficking and organ harvesting. Um, and it's, it, it's happening, and it's big money made on it. Thank you, Jasmine Mack, for coming on Vaccine Free America. Stay tuned for Ingrid Castle. Immunize Wisely is uh, coming up next. This is Sally O.